Wow, look at that. Right. Right, once again. Nailed it this time. <laughs> Still at the picnic bench. We've got the fish, temporary studio, but hopefully later on we'll be in our new home. What's up, guys? Fistful of Collars, episode 14, post 2018 Worlds Breakdown. And there is a lot, a lot to break down this year. Man, where do we even start? What a crazy real. tournament, right? For real, man. We're still like getting back into the groove of things, right? We all kind of just, just got back into the office. To me, it feels like just a dream still. Like, yeah. I'm, still I'm still trying to like process everything. Mm, I last watched, day you enter kind of new state of consciousness. Yeah, sure. yeah. I watched you so many jiu-jitsu <laughs> matches. People are like, coming up to me like, oh, did you see that, that, that match? And I'm like, I did see that match. <laughs> it feels Something like a happened in that match. I know that. <laughs> it's hard to discern the you different matches. You can go to flowgrappling.com and watch all the matches. All right, I should write that down. Yeah, yeah, write that yeah. down. But no, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, like, it was four days of just non-stop incredible jujitsu, And it was kind of the way it was set up. Like, some days felt like three days into one. It's right? true. Yeah. I think Saturday was a perfect example because it started off, we had the brown belts running on every single map, right? And then, like, right around about like, midday, lunchtime, uh, we had a little break, and then they started the black belt absolute. And, like, the black belt absolute was, like, crazy. We're running around. And then, like, it stops, and we're all like, oh, okay, deep breath thinking, oh, we get a little bit of a break. And then, like, nope. immediately, every single mat has now got a black belt fighting on it. Yeah, but they yeah. start the divisions. And it was like, I mean, like, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 9 o'clock in the morning felt like a million years ago. Yeah. Right? Do you so, remember Roberto Jimenez? Remember right? that? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's like a big deal. That's like three months ago, I feel like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like really, what a day. Yeah. What an amazing oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. This next level, he kind of hit some road bumps on his, his first year as an adult purple belt, and then man just came out, submitted every single person he faced. I think the was... highlight of uh, of Jimenez was in the absolute. I forget the guy's name. It was a GFT guy. Gigantic, huge. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like six nine. Like, I think he was down like seven. That's a bit. Swept, <laughs> mounted. Slight exaggeration. <laughs> I'm sticking to six nine. <laughs> and then uh, comes back and submits that guy. To get it to the final. We submitted, every, submitted every single opponent, weight division and absolute. That is incredible. I'm not sure that's ever been done. Yeah. I mean, like, we'd have to go way back to try and find that out. Andre Galvao, right? So he's in pretty good company. Yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah, amazing because, like you say, Roberto had some road bumps. He didn't medal at any of the major tournaments this year. I want right? to say he got bronze. I want to say he got bronze at Pans. Oh, he didn't win any of the major Right, right. Which for him, you know, it isn't a great year. Uh, but of course, caps it pretty nicely there with uh, double gold submitting every single person. And yeah, I think maybe that camp at the Lucas Lepre gym was uh, was probably a, a factor there, right? Because he was there in... Giant uh, Tom was uh, out. Where is it? North or South Carolina? You guys were North, North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Remind me, Jimenez is what, 18 years old? 18 years old. Yeah, he two, two weeks ago, he turned 18 years old. So yeah, he got his purple belt when he was technically 17, and just a, a little while ago, right? And then um, yeah, two weeks ago, turned 18, and is now double gold champion along with the likes of... Felipe Pena, Keenan Cornelius, Andre Galvao, you were know. We, were we voting for him for the juvenile of the, of the year last year? I was not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think two years ago two years, he was yeah. he was okay. nominated because last year was just it was, he was like in the transitional period, so it was kind of like hard where to place him. And what's crazy is he wasn't even our rankings, right? Our rankings yeah, are totally true. messed up after this event. You yeah, know? It, it's, it's it shows that Purple Belt is a just insane. Awesome, like, awesome yeah, yeah. that he that he unranked and went out there and beat the number one ranked guy oh, in the final. Giving us some work to do. Over here. <laughs> yeah. 
But man, he's not the only. Star I know. There's so many. There's so many stories. I mean, Lucas Lepre, because you know we mentioned about how trained Lucas is. I just got to stay. I think Lepre, like it was a near flawless performance, right? He just got two points scored against him, like, and it was a bit of a bullshit two points. It was one of those. Takedowns, you know, yeah, where yeah, Lucas yeah. is pulling guard, whatever. But come on, I mean, that guy, that's three years in a row that he gets to the final of the World Championships, and like barely, anybody barely gets near to scoring a point on him, right? It's just insane. Just a perfect player, man. That final with Hanato Kamuto was probably Sorry. my favorite of the events. You know, Hanato just doesn't know how to put on a boring match, and um, great stand up from both guys. Sometimes stand up in Jiu Jitsu can be a little bit tedious to watch, we can say, but no, they were going at it. It was a cool uh, dueling styles too, like Nato with kind of the more judo emphasis and Lepre with more of a wrestling base, you know, and it, it paid off for him. So that was a, a crazy match. It's so impressive that, like, I think one of the big storylines this year in the 2018 World Cha Championships is really the changing of the guard. So many of these new young black belts did so well, you know. It's so impressive that a guy like Lucas Lepre can, can kind of stave off those those young guys year after year after year. I remember he fought young Pika Pau, the surging young Pika Pau last year, and he fought uh, Edwin Najmi in the finals the year before. This time he fights Hanato Canuto in the finals. It's just like there's a new lightweight guy that comes up who's surging, you know, young black belt, and somehow Lucas Lepre just, just has everybody's number. It's so impressive. It really is. And I think you mentioned there about the whole changing of the guard. Like the, the young black belts really impressed me across the board, you know, this week. Uh, there were a lot of first-year black belts who made it to the podium. Got to give a huge shout-out to the Norwegians, the Vikings. Tommy Langaka, silver medal, silver medal at middleweight, and Espen Matissen, bronze at lightweight. And, uh, I mean, you guys visited their gym there in Norway, right? It was part of the Rotor World Tour. They were like, why are you guys going to Norway? You don't need to go to Norway. <laughs> we, 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 we said, we need to yeah. go to Norway. We need to go check these guys out. Espen Matissen, Tommy Langaka, and it paid off, right? I, I was losing my mind a little bit when, when Tommy... Uh, submitted Marcos Tinoco, who is an amazing athlete, took second last year at Worlds. Had a great year. Put it in yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the Tinoco tapped out Tommy first round of the weight division at Europeans. That's right. Right. That's right. Remember, because Tommy had that, that amazing take yeah. so much yeah. 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 But Tommy had that amazing absolute run, and yeah. we were like, oh my god, Tommy's the man. And then he gets submitted, like, bang, in the first round of the weight division, and we're like, Oh. I'm like, oh, there's levels <laughs> to this game. But, you know, Tommy, but Marcus was on fire. I mean, Marcus yeah. got through to the finals of the Europeans, the Pans, and the Brazilian Nationals this year. Win, uh, he, you know, he closed out Europeans, he lost uh, uh, to Gabriel Arge in the Pans, and then he won Brazilian Nationals. Marcus was on a tear. And then for Tommy to come back and submit him at Worlds was like, shit, that's pretty big. No, I think it, I think it speaks to these guys are not just like right there, but they're, they're submitting these guys. Espen, mm. for example, submitted Edwin. Like, they're not just... You know, someone to think about, all right, this guy has potential. They are like, they're winning definitively. That guard pass on Espen is one of the dirtiest things I've ever seen. Because it, was, <laughs> it wasn't good like a relentless pressure or just going until everyone had to stop. It was one clean movement and just passed his guard. What is going on here? Uh, that has been only lost by an advantage to Lucas Lebre, um in their match, which is also insane. So, Lucas couldn't pass his guard. Couldn't yeah. pass his guard. Got yeah. close, but he's got that insane flexibility, which we have a video on. Sure, <laughs> he you, does uh, have that insane flexibility. Want to try and move like Espen, Espen literally showing his secrets on how to get that flexible. So exactly. if you wanna, if you wanna learn how to not get your guard passed by Lucas Lepre, go watch the video. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think it's also amazing that those guys. It's just three guys out there. Exactly, right? and that's Vagard and then yeah, those. yeah. That's what I think is so inspiring. I think he's really gonna. They're really gonna inspire a lot of people. A lot, not not even just Norwegians. You know that. Like, 
yeah, you can you can get to the world championship finals by just having your core group of guys, you know, because they are they're in the middle of nowhere, Norway, you know, and it, it really is just really hard to get. Just just three of them, and you know, a couple blue belts maybe here and there. But and it looks beautiful place as well. It's like gorgeous, you guys yeah. went there, and you know, we did the amazing vlog, which I urge everybody should go check out because it's amazing. But um, AJ actually has uh, just dropped in on the comments here that um, remember when we went to Norway. Because AJ and I went there at the end of 2015, and those guys, Tommy and Espen, were still brown belts, yeah. you know. And like, I didn't know who those guys were. Like, nobody had any idea. And it's it's incredible that those guys went from such, like, you know, against the odds, tiny kind of place in the middle of nowhere, like, and then all of a sudden they're competing on the world stage. At, at, you know, it's just incredible. talk about setting goals and achieving them, man. Like that's just so impressive. So and they're inspiring. still so young. You know, it's, it's not like they've Very reached young. the end of their career. It's First just the beginning. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Same with Renato Canuto. Right. Same with Zach Bayens. You know, the same with Shane Jamil. Shane Jamil. There's just so Big many shout young out guys. Jamil, right? Because first African American black belt IBJJF world champion. He's the fifth. I, he's the fifth American to ever make it to the gold medal at the IBJJF podium, right? Got to give another shout out to Michael Musumeci for becoming the first two-time American world So champion. many great storylines, so many big storylines. The winners of this year's world championships, they, they just, it was so hard to, they just cast such a big light, man. So many big storylines. Like Bruno Malfacini. There's so much history made this weekend. It, it's hard to talk about it all, even in just the podcast right You here. made a great point about Jamil, right? About how last year he came so close and he lost in that semifinal against Cabrinha, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and what did he do? Like, he just yeah, basically, one, yeah. just, you know, didn't complain, didn't say shit, you know, he lost on a questionable call where he could have gotten advantage and stuff, you know, it went to a decision, if I remember correctly, and he Referee's lost. decision, yeah. Yeah, and what did he do? He just went back to the lab, like, kept his head down, came back a year later, and definitively won the World Championship. One thing I learned about Jamil this weekend is how smart he is in competition. His jiu-jitsu IQ is super high. And you can see he was even coaching some of the other Team Lord Irvin guys. Yeah, what were you saying about at the gym, like when, with Jamil, everybody like uses him, right? Yeah, I think definitely. Like, I, I totally agree that Jamil's jiu-jitsu IQ, his, his mat IQ seems to be really kind of through the roof, one of, the, one of his strongest assets, it seems. Because, yeah, definitely, anytime people were on the mats at Team Lloyd Irvin, um, and had a question about like, oh, is this, is, what, do, what do I do if somebody has my lapel here, or, or is this legal, or is this, does this count as an advantage, or what? And everybody would go, Whoop. look over to Jamil. What does Jamil say? Because Jamil always had the answer. Jamil knew, Jamil knew, is the guy who knows the rule set, he's the guy who knows the position is the best. So it seemed like everybody, Muhammad, Tim, Lloyd, were all kind of looking to, looking to Jamil. You can and hear some of his analysis too on uh, Spider, an, an event we have in yeah. our archive. He's a commentator, you can see him break down matches. Oh my, his commentary yeah, is amazing. He's phenomenal. So, so smart, right? If you want to get into the and mind of Jamil, check that out. How old did you say Jamil is? 23? Yeah, 23, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he started training at Team Lloyd Irvin at nine years of age. In right? 2004, he started training at. Um, so it's almost fifth, almost homegrown, fourteen almost years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. How about those white, other white to black belt in the same gym, right? Yeah. How about those other team Lord Irvin guys? There was Mayroom, which you guys did the uh, up and coming on. Right? That, that kid is belt, sick. Right? That kid is awesome. He was given uh, Mason Fowler fits in the absolute. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. And he's like a he's a light featherweight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Malachi, he had an awesome performance too. I mean, these guys. Are Muhammad just Ali, Muhammad Ali, man. No, for sure. I think Team Lord Irvin definitely my my winners of the of the whole tournament I think you know coming out of the, the tournament I think um, Jamil and, and Muhammad the way those guys performed I think you can't 
can't knock um, what Team Lloyd Irvin is doing right now. Um, I got a bit of big shout out to Muhammad as well because um, not not that many people maybe know this, but he's got like a six month old daughter, and you know the last year for him, he, he got really like injured like nonstop in 2017, and then you know all of a sudden he's dealing with you know he's a brand new father. And then, like for the last couple of months, like preparing for Worlds, you know, they received a lot of Brazilians came over and were doing the camp with Timo Irving, and he's running around taking care of those guys. And he actually said that he trained less for this Worlds than he's ever done in his life. But that whole mentality of sometimes less is more, and training smart, and then goes out there and has the performance of a lifetime. Beats Leandro Lowe, beats Marigotti five zero. Yeah, it's yeah. just. Well, and, and we, we, we did a little interview after with, afterwards with him after he won, and he said last year he got hurt and mm -hmm. didn't come back. This year, he said he still got hurt, and he was on the fence, and he decided to come back. It's just like, just goes to show, man, like, you never, he, he you never know what's going to happen. You never yeah, know. his ankle is jacked. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. You know, that was Felipe Andrew, right? The yeah. ZF guy who's got that savage, like, footlock. I mean, he's got, he, he finished the final of Brazilian Nationals with that, right? Yep. And then... Wow, I mean, he was, yeah, Muhammad's foot blew up, and Muhammad spent all Saturday night, right, with his foot elevated, iced up, basically just trying to make sure that he can eat the next day. But Jamil, Jamil, just to wrap up Jamil, I mean, what, what I'm so impressed with about Jamil is that he really dominated. He really yeah. dominated out there. And for a kid who's, like you said, 23 years old, who's uh, second year at Black Belt, you know, there wasn't a lot of expectations really going in into the tournament. And for him to go out there, he beat Marcio Andre, he beat Isaac Paiva, and he beat um, Leonardo, yeah, Sejorio in the finals. And I really think he, he dominated. Nobody, you know, I think he had a close match with Tiago Macedo, but he ended up really pulling away at the very, very end of the match. Um, he just looked phenomenal out there. He dominated out there. And um, another guy who dominated as well is Mikey Musumeshi. Yeah. I, I talked to him briefly right after um, he won his world championships. Uh, he won his world championship, and he was saying that he really put an emphasis on going out there and finishing fights, going out there, being aggressive. He thought people were talking a little bit maybe too much, that he, that he fought for strategy. He said the same he went thing out to me to choke now. people. So that's pretty badass. Yeah, he said that he actually enjoyed the fact that he could really fight this year. Know, rather than just have to play the points game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. The final was was all Mikey, which is insane. Kind of. Are you far? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no rough decision there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm just looking at the comments right here, and um, people are interested to see how the results played out compared to our predictions. And I think um, we both got a couple, right? Yeah, we both got, I think we went, what, two for seven or two for six? So or? I definitely, I just off the top of my head now, I'm having trouble remember, but I picked Felipe Pena to win heavyweight, and I was correct there. It wasn't the exact podium as uh, predicted, because I saw Keenan yeah. going into the finals. Maybe we should talk about that in a second, right? <laughs> but uh, I picked Felipe to win heavyweight, I was right there. And um, Gabriel Arge, no, who else? Yeah, now. You, you took Felipe Baby out Lucas Holt. Yes, that's right. Lucas Barbosa, I, I picked him to, pick, uh, to close out uh, or to win medium heavy, and I was right there as well. And you got Jamil, right? I picked Jamil. Wow. Who was picking Jamil? Come on. And, and then Isaac, which is, I think, another kind of um, left field pick. Man, um, he fucking went out there, though, huh? Isaac put it out there, Isaac, man. I think Isaac's going to be on top of that division for a long time. Yeah, I he's agree. just he's so hard to deal with. Man. Yeah, he's, he's such a great competitor. He comes at you. Yeah. He does not care who you are. He's coming at you super hard. Yeah. You can't score. You it's can't score. So hard to put a point against. Yeah, it is. So um, about the results and uh, just that little thing we mentioned there about how you know the 
Keenan thing. We, he didn't get through to the final. As I, many I had Keenan winning. I had, I had Keenan. Uh, you picked I Keenan predicted to them to win. Yeah. So uh, there was a little bit of a spanner thrown in the works there, right? And um, you know, there's been quite a lot of talk about it the last couple of days. I certainly, think, right? Certainly. So uh, what do we think about that? Because everybody's asking our opinion, mm. and they're also saying as if we have some kind of, you know, like we have some say in it. Yeah, I'm definitely disappointed that, that we're bringing this up right now. You know, mm. I think that there's, like we said, there's so many great things that happened at the World Championship. Bruno Malfasini, we should talk about him. You know, I think we should talk should. about, uh, we talked a little bit about Jamil and, and everybody. Bushesha was 11-time World Champion, broke records. You know, a lot of history was made at the World Championships, a lot of... A lot of winners. Because um, they were always, whatever sport, but especially in, in the Jiu-Jitsu World Championships, there will always be controversial decisions. There will always be that something somebody didn't like at every belt level. It's not just the Black Belt World Finals, right? You see it at blue, purple, brown, and black. You see team coaches losing their minds with the referees because of a, a call that they didn't like or a, a subjective analysis in the match that they always that should have been an advantage and it wasn't. And it just so happens that you know played out in a black belt semi-final this year, and everybody's focusing on that one moment. But it's nothing. It's nothing unusual, right? And it can go either way because I remember last year Patrick Gojo, he was on the opposite end of that, right? Galvan won a decision against Patrick Gojo in a very similar thing, you know. And you could argue, right? Okay, well. No. And then I think it comes down to, Keenan said this in one of his posts, about opinion, right? It comes down to the ref's opinion. It's in the rules, and that's where there's this little gray area. However, you know that going into the match, right? You mm -hmm. sign up for IBJJF events, you're, gonna, you're going to experience that at some point, an opinion. So if it comes down to that, it's like, man, this is what you signed up for. This is what you're getting into. Not taking anything away from Keenan. Right? We know how technical he is, we know what a great competitor he is, right? He won, you know, Europeans and he won Pans, right? But you're in the World Championship, like semi-finals, everything on the line, you leave it in the decision, in the hands of the judges, then you've got to be prepared, it could go against you. Sometimes right? you there's no great you know, conspiracy away. Yeah, right? losing, losing sucks for sure. Losing is, is, is tough, and especially when you work your whole life to, to win, you work your whole life to get to the, that position. You know, it definitely, I understand that it is a is a rough position to be in when you feel like you did everything to win and you feel like somebody else um, took the win away from you. You know, that, yeah. that is a hard, hard thing to swallow. I certainly, certainly understand that. Um, I mean, I, my heart goes out to the kid. He's been working, like, nonstop towards this, right? He's still chasing. He's been chasing after that World Championship gold medal for years, right? To come so close and to feel that you've been, like, wronged and there's been some great injustice, it fucking sucks, right? right. But there is no great conspiracy at work. It's, like, it's not like some, you know, anti-American judging bias, right? He's got one of the most influential figures in the entire sport sat there just a couple of feet away from him at Matt's side, right next to all the referees and stuff. If anybody could help sway things in your favor, it would be Andre Galvan. But it's not the case, right? The judges will see what they want to see. Keenan's exit did open up the uh, opportunity, though, for Felipe Pena to make his way into the final, where no easy match by any means, but got him his first world title. And I want to give a big shout out to Felipe here because, right, Homolo posted that amazing photo of Felipe backstage, and he's just like destroyed, right? He's like lying on his back, he's got two injured knees, his, both of his feet are strapped up like boots because. Uh, was it Adam Wodzinski? Yeah. yeah, and Felipe right. Andrew. And Felipe yeah, Andrew yeah. were both like hanging off his ankles, like in both matches, some nasty footlocks. I need to fight through that. Felipe Pena showed for me why he's one of the pound for pound best in the sport. Because it's not just that performance, right? It's been an entire yeah, season. Yeah, he's had a great year, right? right? 
He's an ACP, you know, uh, Gi champion, world pro champion. He was a champion at Mariana's Open, and then you know, finally gets his first official world title. That you, is and he won world pro last year too, right? He won Mariana's Open. No, last he's year. actually won world pro like either three or four, I think it's four years running. Four years running. Yeah. Beat Adam Morzinski at world pro this year. This year in the final. And then he yeah. also won Mariana's a few weeks ago as well. Yeah. So he's been nonstop uh, competitor and winning everything, but definitely not without hurdles. You know, and he showed like how was saying. What about what about a, what about a favorite? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say not to take anything away from Felipe Pena, but there was one match. I was gonna say this too. There was one match that was shocking. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that man, Felipe Pena, obviously the best, and he definitely is one of those guys who deserves to be talked about in the same realm with Bouchesha, in the same realm with with all the all the all time greats, Adolfo, and everything like I that. I almost feel sometimes that Felipe doesn't get the amount of attention that he deserves because he's quite a. Um, he, he doesn't put himself out there that much. He lets the results do the talking, yeah, right? Yeah. And a lot of the other guys who are really good at playing the social media game, they're obviously, you know, they're going to be the ones getting the interaction with the fans and stuff. I think everybody respects Felipe for who he is as an athlete, but nobody really, like, he needs AJ to, to help him out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Get so he's, anybody you can He's yeah, got the everyday pohada thing going on. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Homlo as well, man. Like, uh, thanks for the t-shirt, by the way. <laughs> but and coaching all weekend long, that guy's out there every day. So, but I did want to ask what everybody's favorite matches was. I'm just going to jump in real quick with my favorite match. <laughs> to a, to that, but are you I'm, claiming I'm, it? Yeah, I'm claiming this one right off the bat. But I was just going to say that that. Um, I was no more hyped up for, for Felipe Pena versus uh, Nicholas Marigar. Oh that was the match that I was most hyped up for, I think, because like, going out there that match, you could see Felipe Pena was like ready to shut this dude down, and Marigal, he was just he was getting in the mode, you know how he does, <laughs> you know, and I, I love when Nicholas Marigal is on. So seeing that mat, those guys stand on the mat, I was like, oh my god, I am ready for this one. And then to see how it played out, um, Incredible, incredible match. That was a good one. It was. Uh, favorite match? Man, I guess you're going to let me have this one easy. Uh, this guy, you catch him there. That was, you know, <laughs> okay. not, not to be on the Marigali hype train, but that's one of the matches of the weekend. It also plays directly into the storyline of Buchecha yeah, and Andrew yeah. being best friends, ultimate bromance. Uh, <laughs> because at the end, you ended up pointing at, at Nanza. Exactly, so at the end of that match. for you, man. Yeah, <laughs> we, we didn't quite know what that meant at the time. We weren't sure if he was calling Andrew out or we know they're friends, but he's just saying he defeated your was on the sidelines, huge and I, and, I will, yeah. and I will say that I don't think Marigali looked the same after he fought Buchecha. But that was my magic the weekend, you know, and Marigali almost had him. There's a key scramble there where he had his leg and his shoulder going up for an X-guard sweep, and Bouchacha just does that thing where he's able to beast out of it, kind of scramble, lands on top, gets the points, and uh, going to knee on the throat yeah, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. is something else, man. But, that was wild. Uh, I, I think Marigali is going to be one of the all-time greats. He's got such a long time to, to really make a mark mm -hmm. on the sport. He's still so young. The thing so about good. Marigali, too, I think when he experiences somebody, like he never went against Buchecha, he's never, uh, he never went against Ali before. Now he's kind of got the info. He right. knows what to mm. expect. I think next year he's going to come back and he's going to do his thing. He's going to go into the lab. Hide for. Okay. Not hide. I hope I hope he's busier next year. Yeah, I want to see him yeah, compete more. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Favorite match. Favorite match. I got to go with my boy Lucas Hulk. Lucas Hulk with the comeback on the. Oh, that is I a think, phenomenal. I think that was yeah. the comeback of the event. Yeah. 
That might actually be the best match of the event. We had, we, had a, we had a great angle from where we were. Hulk's face was purple, man. That choke was deep. And I even talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, it was really tight. Man. He almost took his head off without yeah, freaking his choke, head man. off. And somehow, man, he gets out of there and then comes back, takes Denise's back, and chokes him. Yeah. It was just that's that was a crazy match. Man. It really was. I mean, that, that was that was world-class like stuff right there. Just I, I, Like you say, I can't believe it. There was that moment where they rolled to us and like Hulk's like veins are bulging in his head and looking directly at us and we're just like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> those are the moments at Worlds, you know. If, if, if any of you guys haven't been to the Worlds before and you get the opportunity to go, when the, when the crowd just erupts, man, there's mm. like, there's that sound, you and know. the like, team chants and everything, yeah, it's, it's a different atmosphere. Though. You know, my favorite match of the weekend uh, wasn't even one of the black belt matches. It was the purple belt lightweight final. Jonathan Alves and AOJ oh, up yeah, against yeah. this unknown brand new kid Samuel Nagai okay so we like oh, who the hell is this Nagai kid he just turns up from nowhere and slays everybody en route to the final I mean like he's tapping out guys for, like reverse triangles chokes everything he's the killer like nobody knows who this kid is right total unknown Jonathan Alves we know who he is very well right we've been following him since he was a blue belt and you know slow and steady just tapping everybody out gets through the finals as well it's kind of like Man, okay, this is interesting. You know, up, you know, underdog or unknown quantity up against the uh, the favorite for the decision, and they went out there and holy crap, what a crazy back and forth match! Like, man, like Jonathan Alves, it looked like he was gonna break his foot off with a really nasty footlock, and then like that guy gets out and he gets him in an arm bar, and he's like, the, like the arm was gonna snap, and then he gets out and he went to points, and it was just wow, it was incredible. And that guy took it. And there was that moment when he runs off the mat and his brother is there and they're just like, both of them are bawling their eyes out. And it was like such man, a moment. Even, even before the match, match right? they were... They, That's right. Like, it was so emotional. Just like you could feel it over there. It was like he was... All, before the match was even going, him and his brother were talking and he was already in tears. And it was like, I was like, that doesn't seem like a good sign right, yeah. right before <laughs> yeah. the match, you know? You can't forget to leave out. He'd be... Jonathan, eleven to four, and yeah. and up until then, I think Alves had finished every single. Yeah, we've opponent. never seen Jonathan Alves like in a bad position. He's the next like, big thing, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. And yeah. this kid came out of nowhere and just kind of tooled him up a little bit. That was extremely surprising. And, and I, uh, I had a chat with uh, with Jackson, who was Samuel's brother, and Jackson's like brown belts, and, and he actually had a pretty good run following day as well. He was a bit of a finisher as well. Uh, got stopped in points before he got to the podium, but I was chatting to Jackson afterwards, and I was like, man, where are you guys from? Like, So it turns out that their mother is Brazilian and their father is Japanese. They were born in Brazil. They lived for like 10 years in Japan. They used to train with like guys there, like Satoshi and all those guys. Then they moved back to Brazil. They lived in Manaus for three years, and we know that Manaus is like a real strong hotbed. Tons of really big names come from there. And then they, about a year ago, they moved to California, and Lucas Leitch, Checkmat, was there, sat next to me, and he just like he's like, ah, they just turned up at my gym, like, <laughs> you know, because they were actually representing Carlos Holanda officially right. at Worlds, but they are like gonna go after Checkmat from here. Like the official move has just been announced and they are now Checkmat. And uh, I mean, you know, they went from zero to 100 over one weekend, right? Those kids, we gotta keep an eye on Yeah, that's definitely one of the funnest parts about the World Championships, right? Is that, you know, the World Championships has come and gone now, but we saw so many, like guys like Roberto, guys like um, Tynan Dalpra, Mateus Rodriguez, all these guys who, who 
won their won their divisions, you know, won won the world championships, and then got promoted. Right? There's yeah. there's so many guys after the world championships. The, one of the best parts is seeing okay, now who's a brown belt? Now now who's a black belt? Now you know who's gonna, who's going to jump into this division next year? Who's going to challenge Lucas Lepre maybe next year? You know, and so many guys got promoted. It, it's one of the funnest parts. I know one of the one of the guys I'm, I'm most looking forward to is Kennedy Maciel. Oh yeah, little oh, yeah. little Cabrinha. Yeah. He got his black belt after winning. Um, brown Can you belt, light feather. Him and Cabrinha competing together Closing to the same world. Cabrinha said that he would. He wants to do that. Like, because everybody was wondering if Cabrinha would compete this year or not, right? So obviously he didn't. But uh, I was chatting to Kennedy, and you know he got his black belt, and he said that the cut for light feather weight for him is pretty tough right now. He's getting older. He's filling out a bit, right? So I can see him coming back as a featherweight. But can you imagine the two of them competing in next year and then like closing out featherweight or something? Father and son. What a story. story. That's yeah. never happened before. Right? I think, no, that's never. never happened. No, I think Cabrinha at that point, I think that he would try and do that and then retire. He'd yeah. be like, all right, I'm good. Right. Right. So. The one thing he hasn't accomplished yet. Right? <laughs> so. yeah. uh, and there's a bunch of good promotions actually, like you say, you know, real, uh, there's like a wave of guys who are going to. Uh, shake things up at Black Belt next year. I got a, a kind of a short list here. Mauricio Oliveira, GF Team Medium Heavyweight, Brown Belt Champion, uh, Bronze Absolute, I believe. Uh, just got his Black Belt. He's going to come and shake things up next year Blue as well. World Champion, Purple Belt World Champion, and Brown Belt World Champion sequentially years. Three years in a row. That's incredible, right? Yeah. That is insane. What a talent. He's super young too, right? Oh, yeah. 20. 21 oh, maximum. Geez. I think he's 20. Yeah. That's uh, Kainan Duarte, uh, brown belt absolute champion as well. Uh, Kainan doesn't even look like he breaks a sweat when he's out there. <laughs> he's just so composed, so cool, and he just. He, yeah, he's he been a black belt for years, it feels like. <laughs> 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 Uh, who else we got? We got um, Maisa Bastos, uh, the GF team girl. Uh, she competed at light featherweight. Uh, she almost did the Grand Slam, actually. She took gold at uh, every tournament except Worlds, where she took silver. Gotcha. I think the lighter weight classes at the women's divisions need a bit of uh, a fresh blood. And uh, we've actually got two. Because did she lose to Fionn? No, she's a weight class down man. Okay. Put me on the spot. Sorry. I forget who, but Fionn's a weight class up. Gotcha. But um, Julie Wiggers, uh, who won brown belt, who actually won purple belt brown, sorry, purple belt rooster weight last year, brown belt rooster weight this year, just got a black belt from Mario Hayes. So she's going to come back next year as well. So that means we've got two really good lightweight females kind of adding to the black belt division for this year as well. I think one of the big storylines in the women's black belt division this year is that the, the the old powers, if you want to call them that, the dominant forces are still very much at the top. We have Beatriz winning another world championship. Uh, Baby Vieira might, may as well be a season black belt at this point. She's won yeah, everything. Right. She's a world champion. You know, she's undefeated, time. I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I need to double check, but I'm pretty sure she's undefeated since, like, uh -huh. at least she did the world championship. She was undefeated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Nacieli. Nacieli is another world champion. For her, two time, yeah, Claudia Noval is a two time world champion. Was, was the um, the Nacieli match was that an advantage or a decision? It was pretty, t it was pretty close, right? It was close, and I do not remember the exact score. Yeah. Uh, Tiny Porfirio again taking double gold there. So, we do two need to it. would be fun to see those divisions shaken up a little bit. The one area where we did was in like Feather, where Amanda Noguera from GFT came out and beat some old standbys. Well, she beat two former world champions, two she beat Jesuit Matuda and Talita. Right in the finals, yeah. so yeah. And her and Talita fought in the finals of Brown Belt in 2016. Is that right? And Talita, I think Talita 
one. Beater in, in 2016, brown belt? It was a GF team. It was a GF team athlete, could be. But since then, Amanda Montero has gone 3-0 against Toledo. Beat her at Nogi Pants, mm -hmm. beat her at World Pro, and now at World. So he's got to change the game up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and of course... Well, let's just make a point, though, to, to mention that Toledo actually lost that match because she was dancing in the middle of the match, remember? Yeah. She got penalized. That's where the crowd. The crowd was getting after her. The crowd, the, crowd the GF team, they year. got in her head, right? They were they were talking a lot of shit, their chants and stuff, and she kind of like was, you know, responding to them, dancing at them in the middle of the match, and she got a, penalized, a penalty, so. And also a big shout out to, to Karen Tunis, second major title of the year, coming back after just having uh, that was a, great a baby moment. a year ago. Not even a year Not ago. Not even a year yeah. ago. So that was a great moment seeing her with her, with her, her kid there on, on the podium. podium. That so. was a good moment. Did you say Beatrice Mosquito? I did say Beatrice. Eight times. Eight, 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 eight times. So she her and Michelle Licolini are the most winningest females in, in jiu-jitsu history. So right. some pretty great storylines there in the women's divisions. You, you mentioned something, one of my favorite things of the entire weekend was the chance. Chance, man. Right. The crowd was just so into it right. this year. I think more so than I've ever seen. You know what was yeah, really yeah, interesting yeah, too that is that they were like teaming up. So like even <laughs> yeah. even if they weren't, everybody was teaming up against Atos. <laughs> right? That was. I don't speak Portuguese, but I can I can gather that much. Okay, <laughs> so they were screaming at Atos. Let me let me translate what some of those uh, some of those chants were because it was funny that you had the GF team. Uh, right behind us, right? You had GF team and also like the in-fight crew, and those guys, were, they had some great songs all weekend, actually. They, they were the ones with the uh, the favela chants. It was like, favela, which is great. But then um, you had, you, it was interesting as well, you mentioned this, right? Because like the teams were in exactly the same positions in the arena as they were last year. Yeah, every right? year, yeah. So you had like, you had GF team in-fight and checkmate on one side, you had Atos over there, and then you had Alliance over there. And like everybody, in, at one point, GF Team Checkmate and Alliance were teaming up in their chants at Atos, <laughs> and they were uh, they were saying some shit, man. They were saying <laughs> things like um, uh, basically Team for Hire, a Kipijalu girl, which basically means that you know they're kind of like just, just buying up all the talent. And anytime somebody from another team would win, they would start saying like uh, basically, ooh ooh ooh, Atos wants to buy you. <laughs> So I was like, "Ooh, man, they took it well, up." But I feel like I just kind of started it because they started celebrating before before uh, the tournament was over, right? It seemed like a lot of guys were were already that's celebrating. Right, right. Andre's up there with the flag. Yeah, they had yeah. the flag on. They, they were saying, "We're the champions. We're the champions." They got that team title another year in a row, yeah, man. Yeah. Don't take it away from them. Those guys are dominant. Yeah. So you know that's incredible for such a young team as well in the green, you know, the grand scheme of things. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Right? I remember we did a, I, I did a documentary with them in 2015, Nogi Worlds. And like I remember specifically talking to Andre about how young Atos is and how they're like trying to pick up steam and just a few short years later they're the, the dominant the team. Yeah, the dominant team. It's the injection of talent that they've had into that, into that team has uh, just been incredible. The amount of uh, high class black belts that they've got now is just you know, and a lot of those guys who were a couple of years ago were like, you know, coming up through the ranks. They've all been, you know, sort of like promoted and stuff, and they're going out there and they they slay. It's incredible. But um, yeah. Cool. How about the uh, the Grand Slam? Because I know Lucas mm. Hulk, right? Lucas Hulk kind of won a Grand Slam this year. I think there were a couple of guys who. So yeah, I went through the results, and uh, technically there were four people who kind of did the Grand Slam this year. Just to just to clarify what that means is the Grand Slam, IBJJF Grand Slam. Small G, small S, right? Not, not a capital, it's not a, a perfect act, right? But Europeans, Pans, Brazilian nationals, and Worlds, they're considered the Grand Slam tournaments, four major IPJJF tournaments. 
If you win all four of those, then you're said to have done what is called the Grand Slam. Now, Cabrinha did it last year, and so did Tiny Porfirio. She actually did the double Grand Slam because she placed uh, gold uh, weight and absolute in, in all four tournaments, which is just incredible. Um, so this year, there were four people who kind of did the same thing. Talison Suarez, uh, Little Meow, he um, closed out uh, two of the uh, four tournaments and he won gold in, uh, in another of the, of the two. So, I mean, he got to the podium in each one, right? Into in the, in the finals, but it's not like a, he didn't fight for the gold medal in each one. It's not a true Grand Slam. Excited to watch yeah. him at Brown Belt. Got, his, got awarded his Brown Belt. Just right got promoted. After. Yeah, going to be competing soon in the first Brown Belt match. Boa Super 8, right? Super, Super 8. Tight. So, yeah. that'll be fun. Uh, Claudia Duval, uh, she took gold and she fought in every final um, for the four for the four majors. But um, just a small caveat that you know, two of those tournaments, it was only a division of two people, so she only had one match. I gotta say about Claudia, she's a finisher. She was uh, she was down in two of the matches that I watched her this weekend. She was losing on points, came back and submitted both of her opponents opponents with this weird arm lock, wrist lock, triangle thing that she does. She's got that great whole flat setup too that mm -hmm. she transfers to other things with. Yeah, she's uh, awesome. Her spider guard is no joke, man. I've, uh, you train with her, right? I did. used to train with Claudia when I lived in Brazil, and uh, I can probably count the amount of times I've passed her guard in five, six years on one hand. Wow. For real. She's really good at giving the back and then like getting out and there's, there's, points. there's no other big name women down there training with her. Oh, right? no. She just trains with dudes. But I always said that she's the second toughest person in the gym. And the toughest person in the gym, who you had the pleasure of rolling with, oh, actually. Yeah. Like 240 that gigantic pounds. Man. Yeah. 240 <laughs> pounds, fourth degree black belt, and just a, one of the meanest fuckers you've ever seen in your life. That guy crushed me like a can. <laughs> so, so strong. Yeah. But, uh, and then um, Lucas Hulk, he got into the finals of uh, the Open class for the reappearance in Brazilian Nationals, and then the medium heavy at Pans and medium heavy final at Worlds. Interesting though that he didn't actually fight a single final because he closed out Europeans, Pans, and Worlds with teammates Keane Cornelius and then Gustavo Braguinha. And he won by default at the, uh, the uh, Brazilian Nationals because Honorio, he was meant to fight, and he actually got sick of food poison and he couldn't fight. So again, Hulk fought his way through to the finals every time, can't take that away from him, but kind of got gold each time without having to fight for it. So, and then the one person who did do a true Grand Slam this year was the purple belt, Gabriele uh, Pisana, also known as Gabi Pisana, from Infight, the favela in Rio de Janeiro, the Stasi Deus. And she took the double Grand Slam, winning weight and absolute, purple belt, super heavyweight, and purple belt absolute at all four tournaments. Yeah. And that's, that yeah, that's impressive. She's 17 years old. Yeah. Man, she wasn't really on, on my radar last year, I feel like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like she came out of nowhere. She she, she's just so dominant. She doesn't look like a super heavyweight. She's not, I mean, she's probably right around the limit of super heavyweight. She's not like, let's say for example, she's not like at the uh, 30 pounds above, yeah. you know, because super heavyweight yeah. isn't, is no, is like just, you know, I don't forget what it is for women, I think it's like 160 up or something like that, right? But, she's great. She's 17 really years old, man. She's going to be a black world champion when it gets 2021. No doubt. Elizabeth Clay got her purple belt too. That's all nice. Do that. yeah. yeah, there's a ton of good promotions, man. Like um, a lot of guys who are going to be shaking things up at Brown and and stuff. One thing I want to say about the world is that, you know, super fights are awesome. We all love super fights, right? But there's nothing like a bracket tournament where you have these storylines. We were obviously off, you know? We, we thought it was going to be in the Maryland, 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 yeah. Maryland. Yeah. Low gets hurt, you know, Muhammad Ali has a performance of a lifetime. Maragali, would you say he underperformed? 
He yeah. didn't live up to expectations, so. right? He certainly didn't bring up his goals. I don't know. I mean, yeah. he looked pretty fucking good until he met Bouchesha. Right. You know? I think Bouchesha definitely took the wind out of his sails because submitting Felipe Pena is no yeah. joke. Yeah, he had a great right? absolute run for sure. Um, but yeah. submitted Igor Schneider in the weight division as well. So, you know, it's not that he looked bad. No, right? no. I mean, definitely not. I mean, I think he just, Muhammad Ali looked that good, right? Mm-hmm. You know, America Ali always has struggled with those super big, super athletic guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've <laughs> yeah. seen that, right? Like, like last year, Joao Gabriel Rocha. Uh, this year, Honorio represented. I usually nationals. don't have trouble with those <laughs> big, super athletic guys. <laughs> but I mean, those are the kind of people that it's literally the only people who give Mergali trouble, right? I really, want to, I really want to see the, the rest of the uh, the low and Ali fight. You know, if you yeah, yeah. because he was he would have been down at that point on points or advantage or whatever he came out with. Um, but that's the thing with, with uh, Ali. I think Keenan had the best kind of answer for Ali. You got to tie him up, you got to wrap him up, lock him down, and, and kind of shut down his explosiveness. Absolutely. You see, you saw what happens when like Muhammad gets space, and, and yeah, and get, like it was just like they stood up and they like just like a tornado, and then Leandro was hurt. And it was just yeah. like what what just happened? And he dislocated his shoulder twice in that match. The first time. The uh, medic match put it back in, and fucking hell, man, what balls that guy has, right? Because Leandro's like, okay, let's keep going, you know? And he did, he kept he did. going. And then, you know, it was just that moment where he's coming out of that sweep, yeah. and just all of a sudden the shoulder goes back into the socket again one more time. Ugh, nasty. But how cool is Bouchesha? Gifting him the, the absolute, you know? Amazing. He, he could have, so what's the record, right? 10, 10 world championships, he could have set another one for 12. He could have set himself that much further away from the pack. Mm-hmm. Now he's the well. legends even deeper, right? Yeah. You know, that story will live forever. Way more than a, a jiu-jitsu title right. count. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, this is Leandro, man. To see him, what, what happened last year, the way he made the finals of both and, and got double silver last year, and to see him go out there and get his shoulder hurt, I think the entire arena was just like so deflated from that. Cause I think everybody wanted to see Leandro. Guy, huh? Everybody likes, loves Leandro. They wanted like, to see him fight out every yeah, time, yeah. you know? He exhausts awesome. himself, you know? I noticed there was a comment on uh, on Instagram from uh, Roberto Satoshi, who we know dislocated his shoulder in the final year. against Lucas Negri last year, right? Yeah. And Lucas actually said, sorry, Roberto actually said that, you know, the pain of the shoulder hurts, but the pain of losing in the World Championship final that way is far greater. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. man, I can't even imagine you know, what's going through Leandro's head right now, he must feel so deflated. But the consolation prize with the Bouchesha moment, I think that hopefully... And he was surprised too, right? They didn't, they didn't tell him. They, you know, they thought, it looked like anyway to me that they, they were going to give it to Bouchesha and then they secretly told the ref to raise Leandro's hand because when they raised Leandro's hand, he was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, he's like, well, come on. He didn't even want it. Yeah, yeah. But, then, but then Bouchesha looked like convinced him. I hope you he's not out for it. too long, though. You know, because like, like obviously twice in quite twice in one match, just taking a shoulder like that, it's kind of you know slightly serious, right? So let's hope he doesn't uh, he doesn't get taken out of the game for too long. How about how about Bouchesha teasing, dropping his belt on the I know, right? I told you guys, I told you last podcast, it's my fear for him. But Bruno Mafasini, someone just asked, what do you guys think about a guy like Bruno Mafasini, ten-time BJJ World Champion? I mean, he can only take one thing. Unreal. It's perfect. I mean, that that is that is a record that we may never see broken. You know, like and he had a lot of submissions too. I'm not trying to think. Yeah, at least three submissions. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, he had a very impressive run out there. Um, it's amazing when, when you see him competing, it almost looks like he's flow rolling. You know, he gives guys a little bit of room and they overcommit, he'll sweep them over his head. 
I feel like he never expends that much energy because he's just that much better. He's been focusing on MMA a lot lately. That's I true. don't even think he's you know in the game full time. Yeah, guys see him versus Mighty Mouse. Whether it's an yeah, MMA yeah, fight yeah, or yeah. or if it's just a grappling match, yeah, you know, nice. like cool. you gotta we gotta see. It would have versus. to be no gi for any yeah, 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 yeah. A no gi grappling Mighty match yeah. or or an MMA fight. That's cool too. But either way. Yeah, I'm just checking now, and actually, uh, it is it is correct that he submitted everybody. He submitted everybody, yeah, because I, I filmed at least three of his matches, and I know I got two uh, two awesome submissions. Bow and arrow, from choke from the back, arm bar, and Ezekiel, and an arm bar. Everybody was hitting that arm and Ezekiel from the back, that's right? Sure, a lot of that was, that's yeah, yeah, everybody was getting yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, seems to be the move of the, of the tournament, huh? And uh, I think you mentioned it to me as well, that we didn't see that many arm bars, right? Remember how just we were talking about asking 50, 50 arm bars? Oh god, that guy's scared. Man, <laughs> we we, scared. we dropped that little clip of Hudson training, didn't we, just before the World Oh Championship. yeah, he was armbarring everybody in that too. Yeah, <laughs> I love that way that he does that armbar with a leg in. It's like he hit it once from 50-50 and he hit it again from like a leg drag, right? Mm -hmm. He set up the leg drag, excuse me, he set up a leg drag with like one hand and then was pulling the armbar with the other and like did it at the same time yeah. and jumped on the arm. Oh, He was looking for it like way earlier, you know? I Not the Kanuta does that one too, that that, that leg drag on bar thing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really cool jumps. how, uh, I, don't, I forget what day of your vlog, but you went around, you asked everyone, oh, what's yeah, your yeah. favorite submission? And it was really interesting to hear how many people like the rear naked choke. <laughs> I was like, he didn't ask everyone. He didn't ask everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, his roommate I didn't, traveled around the world again. Chase, what's your favorite submission? Whatever one finishes read. So no submission. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> but those vlogs, if you guys haven't watched the vlogs, that's an awesome way to just go back and get all the information you need about the world in like eight minutes long. Yeah, you know, even ten minutes about I mean, it, it's it's just it's more about the experience there, isn't it? As well, because you know to really feel what it's like in that arena to be there at max size. So a lot of people aren't going to get the chance to go mm -hmm. and you know to actually feel what it's really like. They only see what's. Uh, what's happening in front of the camera or on the map, you know, but there's so much happening behind the camera, in the stands. I mean, for me, that's that's what makes it so special. Right? It's such a special experience, the World Championships, like you were saying, just from going from the, the chance, you know, and, and when something big, big submission happens and the place goes crazy, but also just like, you know, just right there, you got Hafa Mendez, you got uh, Andre Galvao, you got, you know, everybody there coaching their blue belts. coaching fired up. Yeah, nice. in yeah. backstage, you got Andre showing people this is what he did wrong, or this is the technique that you should have done. Yeah, that was hilarious. We had our little workstation underneath the bleachers, and I just turned around at one point, and there's like a bunch of guys rolling around talking, oh, you should have done this, should have done this. Oh, it's all good, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And that, that, we saw that all week. You know what right? I want to mention, too, also, is that, um, man, Dara O'Connell, mm. like, broke his... Yeah. His orbital bone, cheekbone, when right before we went to Ireland, and we were like planning to go to Ireland. Right before we went to Ireland, he ended up breaking his cheekbone, and rolling with that headguard. Yeah, so we rolled, we rolled with, him headgear, with, yeah. with, with, with the headgear, and he, um, you know, was like, ah, I'm not going to do worlds, I'm not going to do worlds. But just talking to Dara, Dara is a, a great guy to talk to because because he's um, he loves jujitsu, you know. Like obviously we all do, but like speaking to Dara, he's a guy who just like you can tell deep down in his heart that he just loves jujitsu so much and. Going there, being at the World Championship, no he, he couldn't yeah. stay away. He couldn't <laughs> stay away. Even with a broken cheekbone, he decided, ah, screw it. All my other guys are I'll going out there. Yeah. Whatever. He, he went out there, won his first fight, and then he fought Claudio Calasans. Had, had a uh, close match there. But, uh, I, I shout out to Dara. afternoon, and I was like, hey, Dara, so, you know, you gonna, he's like, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. It's like 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I'm wearing my key right now, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, man. What an amazing, what an amazing tournament. Um, 
just so much to dissect. I mean, I'm going to be thinking about it and going back and watching all of those matches for, for probably weeks to come, right? Because there's yeah. so much happening. Well, man, I'm, I'm already excited for next year. Yeah. yeah. We, we've got so yeah. many new guys, and there's one guy who's already claiming he's going to take the super heavyweight division. Oh, shit. You're right, huh? Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan. Oh, Gordon Ryan. Can you imagine in world championships with the Dan Hudess squad there? Well, we saw um, uh, oh, yeah. Oliver, Taza. Oliver Taza and Ethan, Ethan was there yeah, as well. Both of them. So. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brown they, they, they just gently, gently getting into the. Do you think John will walk around with the gear the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> just the top. Yeah, yeah. just the top. <laughs> Man, yeah. Crazy, crazy world championships. Um, Things are going to be interesting. Yeah. So, Erica Holly versus Gordon Ryan. Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Whatever it takes, we'll what? make it happen. Yeah. Wow. Uh, next couple of weeks, not slowing down. We still got plenty of events to watch for you, Jiu Jitsu guys. I mean, I'm like, Fight to Win starts up again this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Boa Super Eight in Australia coming in a few weeks. Craig Jones will be back on that card. Nice, see other big names. Yeah, that's a that's a Nogi tournament, right? It's a Nogi, Nogi tournament. Craig cool. Jones, Mike Perez get to run it back. Whoa, to side too. whoa! They're gonna be watching out for the wrist locks now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then Kazai Three will be coming up in August. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun as yeah. well. Masters Worlds is, is around the corner, so. Oh, you not slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, down. There, there is some gear, but it's definitely going at Nogi season now, right? It's like traditionally straight after World Championships, it switches gears, and we'll have like, um, like say, Bowl Super 8, Kazai 3, uh, September to October is always Nogi Pans, and then Nogi Worlds at the end of the year. So, uh, hey, ADCC huh? trial starts again in the That's fall. True. Oh, let's not forget about so, that, too. Yeah. Awesome. I'll come back. Get you. Get your Nogi ready. Alright guys, well I think that's probably a, uh, a perfect time to say goodbye, and um, anything else? That's, that's it, it man. That's it. Just, just cut it! <laughs>